hello everyone a very warm welcome to corporate chronicles between suits and chaos and today we have a very interesting topic first of all i'm not sure you know that 90 percent of the data in the world has been generated in the last two years and this has created a demand for experts in data science and machine learning. Now, um, at Corporate Chronicles, we say that we are gonna try to equip ourselves with skills because we will not sit pretty. And as I was doing my mini rounds on TikTok, I met someone. I met a guy who calls himself the data guy, Ngaruya. First of all, welcome. Yes. Welcome to this podcast. Thank How you very much you? for having me. Thank you. I am very fine. Uh, just uh, tackling this uh, data world day by day. Data world day by day. Maybe Ngaruya, you can just tell us uh, who is Ngaruya, where he grew up, what he studied, like, and then you will slowly get into why data. But we want to know you, who are you as a person? Perfect. Uh, my name is Nganga Ngaruya. Um, a data scientist by profession. Been doing it for the past eight years now. Uh, I grew up in Nakuru. I've always been the math guy uh, since I was in primary school, high school. I was very fascinated by numbers and how I was very literate in numbers, if I do say so myself. So it was very interesting for me. Once I got to doing my KCP, I got to high school in uh, still in Nakuru, a day school. I've uh, been a day scholar my whole life. And uh, once I was done with high school, I wanted to pursue something that was relating to computers and uh, mathematics because that's what I was really good at. I was very good in science also, but I wanted to deal with mathematics because it came more naturally to me, more than the chemistry and uh, biologies and physics. And I pursued um, statistics, applied statistics with IT in Masena University. Uh, did it for a whole three years before I dropped out and started working as a data scientist for the Football Federation in Kenya, uh, that basically doing sports analysis, trying to predict, pre create predictive analysis. And yeah, uh, ever since that day, I've been in the data space up to date. Garuya, eight years, and the way you look like you are just 20. <laughs> The the idea around uh, saying eight years is because I started around 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, I started meddling with data uh, or since I was in my third, second year in around 2015. Uh, so I, I think it's the cameras, you know, the, the cameras that I'm, the lighting is a little bit good well, in my TikTok. <laughs> video so probably <laughs> they're hiding my age a little bit routine night routine and probably i have but you no know, i might say it then uh you you think uh whatever you see on tiktok is what <laughs> is there so clarity of the tiktok is because i invested also in equipment to make sure that the message gets uh gets received in a different way so yeah uh the age age image feature come out uh-huh. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you. Yeah. You know, when you say 2015, I also remember in my organization, it was around that time when we started shifting to become a data-driven organization. And we're talking about very, very huge data. But you said something about math. Um, this misconception that you have to to be a guru in math to learn data. What is it true? Is it what, what would you say about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about that for a moment. Yes. Uh, in the data, I think in the data field, the misconception about uh, mathematics being a very, very important thing is uh, very high there. But the, in the data field, there are a lot of fields. There's the data engineers, there are the data analysts, there are the data scientists. And mathematics is required for maybe for data scientists uh, to be very good at math, uh, mathematical concepts like probability, calculus. But since most of these things have been digitized, the 
the, all these algorithms and all these mathematical concepts have been digitized and put into packages in all these programming languages that you are learning, you don't quite need very, very good knowledge in this stuff. You just have to understand how they relate to whatever you're trying to say or try to do, whatever problem you're trying to solve, so that you can uh, relate the mathematics and statistics that are in your head to the mathematics and statistics that have been put in the packages, in the Python or in the R, etc., so that you can translate this data in a more effective way. I'll give you a very simple example. Mm -hmm. If you are working with data and you want to create, let's say, a simple machine learning algorithm for data that is uh, just flow with me, uh, I will try and explain it as uh, effectively as possible. Yeah. You're trying to create a simple machine learning model that tries and uh, tries to predict data that is it's in numerical form. So you employ something like a linear regression algorithm. Linear regression is a mathematical concept. So using this mathematical concept of understanding how linear regression works with numerical data, you can now use a new um, linear regression algorithm that has pre been pre-installed in Python to try and make predictions with the data that you have. But this is for data scientists. If you're talking about a data analyst, the math that he needs is uh, the very basic mathematics of understanding uh, addition, uh, subtraction, multiplication, very, very, very basic mathematics because for a data analyst, they are trying to predict, uh, sorry, they are trying to just check on trends from the data that we have, looking at graphs, visualizations to try and solve problems for an organization or just create data-driven solutions. Mm. Well, okay. But maybe before even we get into the complexities of these eh? um what yeah. sparked your fascination with data because 15 years if you say eight years ago around 2015 that's when the sensation was a bit new how did you know about yeah. it what sparked your fascination and was there a specific moment that um nudged you towards becoming that data guy that to go to because right now if someone tells me about data the first person who comes to my mind is garuya because i have seen I keep seeing what you do or what you say. Okay, thank you very much. The fascination with data was kind of a coincidence. You see, you have talked about the misconception of thinking that mathematics and uh, data go hand in hand. That is the misconception I had back in 2014, 2015, when I was still in campus. And I assumed, because I really love mathematics and computers, I can work in the space where I can use mathematics and computers to solve real-world business problems. The main reason I realized I need to concentrate on solving problems is the fact that when I was in I was in my long holiday, I just decided to have a uh, look for an internship, just work for free, try and uh, see if I can understand how the situation in the real world is and what problems I can solve. But when I was looking for it, uh, for the internship, it was very, very hard for me. And uh, that's when I realized that uh, maybe employment may be very, very difficult for me. And I decided uh, to, now when I went to my third year, I decided to be more vigilant because I'd started learning in 2015 how these uh, things work here and there. But when I realized it is very, very hard to get uh, formal employment, if even if you're trying to work for free, like on internship, I realized I need to work on uh, solving problems. So I got up with a friend which was who was also doing uh, mathematics and uh, computing, but in a different university. And we tried to think about solutions uh, of what we can use our knowledge in mathematics and computing to solve. Uh, right then, we never knew that data was in its own space, not very related to mathematics. So we looked at different sectors. We looked at the healthcare sector. We looked at very different sectors, but realized that we were very, very passionate about football. And that's mm -hmm. where we we started getting data on football, started understanding structured data. Also, this is uh, how structured data looks like. And uh, this is how to organize data. This is how to process it. This is how to clean it. This is how to transform this data. And uh, as we continued, we started understanding that data in its own self is a very different thing to uh, mathematics. And they realized that by taking this data, we can actually uh, use 
historical data to try and uh, look at the current situation and look at trends and look at uh, what is uh, what affects winning, drawing, or losing, and uh, what are the characteristics of a very very good player, uh, what he does on the pitch, and since we really had good knowledge in uh, football itself, mm. we it was easier for us to integrate into it and then now learn about predictive analysis, learn uh, that the things that we are learning in class actually can be used to create models that can create, can be helpful in doing predictive analysis. And these models can be used to indicate what really affects winning, drawing and losing. And from that, that's where we, I myself was very integrated into the data space and it became very, very interesting to me. At that time, we never knew it was called data science. We just knew we were solving problems, trying to solve problems using data because we knew like the valuation is very directly proportional to the solutions that you provide. So we're trying to provide a solution using the data and um, uh, information technology skills that we had. You know, you, you said something interesting in your introduction. You say that we were trying to look for internship and we couldn't get it. And, and it came to your realization that even getting a job is very hard, even if you want to work for free, which is very, very unfortunate. But then you yeah. also later came and found something that was fascinating to you. But you also say in the same sentence that then I dropped out of school. You know, people who say that are very bright. Do you know that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, a very good statement, but very can be used very negatively by just somebody yes. who just wants to drop out from school. Yes, 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 yes. Because I was I was also listening to the Steve Butler, the this guy for the Diary of a Sea, and he said that he also dropped out. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. you would ever go back? Yeah, I think I would. I would go back. I actually went back and finished my degree, got my certificate, and uh, after realizing how hard it is doing it while you're still working. I realized that you should really concentrate on just finishing up with school, then opening up a space in your head. Because once you are still in school, there's this space in your head that has been occupied by your education, trying to mm-hmm. get uh, to graduate so that you say you don't want to, probably it's a mental thing, but you don't want to be the guy who just finished high school. And you're thinking about finishing up campus, having a certificate and having that thing that was occupying your brain, being an empty space now which you can feel more productive work. I also realized this with uh, most of the people like uh, the Kenyan people, like the comedians, some of the comedians that uh, maybe were, were in campus and then they got successful, then they went back to school. People mm-hmm. like uh, also Mark Zuckerberg went back to school uh, yeah. to get his, uh, his degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bill Gates also has uh, he's a multiple degree guy, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So I went back to school in Corona time. It was one of the worst timing. I mm-hmm. went back to school. Mm-hmm. I took all the exams. Then I graduated uh, about two years later when the when the graduations were being done online, and it was very hectic trying to learn, keep up with the coursework, and also try and maintain a business. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit hectic. But the dropping out, people should really understand that dropping out is not a solution. Mm. I actually dropped out because it was impossible for me to work and also uh, be in school. I tried mm. to maintain for a whole semester. I really flunked that semester and I decided mm. I won't uh, try it anymore, just concentrate on the business. But if you don't have any specific thing that you're doing, just don't just drop out and uh, go back to your parents' house to just relax. Uh, yeah. That is not sensible. Uh, education is much more important than doing nothing. But if you have something that you have... Actually, before I dropped out, I had worked and created this very good machine learning algorithm, uh, this very good machine learning models that were mm. very, very impactful. I had gone to several meetings. I had met uh, key shareholding, the CEO, the president of the mm. organization that I, I was going to create this proposal for and I actually dropped out because I realized that I could be doing something much better with my time but not necessarily saying I didn't get uh, an internship there are no jobs so I'm just quitting school without having a specific plan. Thank you for clarifying that and to our listeners you can hear that he also looks up to other people and he follows their journey 
So thank you for clarifying that. You know, when we were speaking the other day, you said that um, there's a statement you said. Um, you say that yeah. uh, data has actually surpassed the new uh, the new oil or something like that. Because people used to say data is the new oil. And yeah. many people liken data to the new oil in today's corporate landscape. How do you perceive this analogy? And what makes data so invaluable in today's corporate space? Potentially, okay. you know, surpassing the significance of oil. Okay. Uh, so the statement itself is uh, data has surpassed oil in its value or uh, data has surpassed oil as the world's most valuable asset. I actually heard this statement from a lady called Brittany Kaiser. She's, she was, um, how will I put this? She was a co-founder and also a business development director for a company called Cambridge Analytica. She was... I don't think she was a co-founder, but she was a uh, business development director for Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica was this company that had this uh, scandal on uh, helping Trump win the elections. Yeah, you can I watch remember. a documentary. <laughs> yeah, you can watch a documentary called The Great Hack. It's very, very in, good in explaining what their roles were. And that's where I actually had that the, the Great Hack, uh, The Great oh. Hack. Yeah. It is. Uh, you can probably watch it on Netflix, or if you have any of these other sites that you can watch a movie in. It's very, very, a very, very interesting documentary about uh, just showing the impact of data and how impactful it can be in in the political sector and how it can be used negatively and how it can influence the masses. It's very, very good. So the Brittany Kaiser lady, she said, "Our data, our most personal information." has now become the world's most valuable asset, more valuable than oil and gas. This statement is very correct, and its correctness is being proved on a daily basis. We are producing more data today than we produced yesterday, meaning we have, we're having more and more data every single day. And as oil is, oil is a fuel that... Uh, in, uh, that pushes things forward, uh, like vehicles and planes, et cetera. And data in itself, it's the oil that fuels the engine of modern business. Its valuability comes in the fact that uh, unlike oil, data does not run out. It multiplies, it evolves, helping drive, drive things like innovation, personalization, efficiency. It is very, very good in that. Uh, we can look at a very simple example, like uh, let's say Netflix. Netflix just takes this information from the users. If you log into Netflix and watch a movie, how long you watch this movie for, uh, what movie you watch next after watching that one, uh, which movies do you watch up to a, up to the 80% mark or 50% mark, 40% mark, and all this data is stored. All this data is stored. Which parts do you rewind? What what specific genre of movies do you watch? And all this information is stored. And when they produce a movie, they have categorized this movie into thousands of different categories. If it's a romantic movie, if it's a movie from the US, if it's a 2023 movie, if it's a, a movie pro, that the director is maybe Scorsese or uh, Christopher Nolan, etc. All this information is data. All this data has been stored for the movies and the data for the person who is using uh, the Netflix itself. So using these uh, viewing data, it really helps them re refine their recommendation algorithms and uh, they can also determine what types of content they will produce, which has really helped Netflix to shape its offering to perfectly align with the, the evolving preferences of their customers. Even uh, another example, maybe Amazon, mm. uh, we, where they use all this information of the purchase data that they have and really helps to optimize the suggestions, promote the different customers they have, just to check on each customer, give them different promotions, and uh, very customer-centric advertisement. And all this is powered by data. Yeah, which uh, they just use uh, data-informed strategies or data-informed decision-making, and uh, really help them just gain competitive advantage against uh, the competition that they have. Yeah, I was seeing that Netflix uses data to avoid losses. Yeah, um, they use data to avoid losses. 
And the main thing about any single business and organization is problem solving. And the problem that they have in most businesses is losses. Having a loss is a problem. Diminishing profits is a problem. So how are we going to solve the problem of diminishing profits by using the data that we have? So they leverage this and uh, they use it, as you have said, to manage their losses, to reduce their losses, to make sure that they don't go in any loss because any business works towards making more profit. Yeah, and, and Garia, I don't know, what do you think about our education system, like the literacy and the education uh, that we are offering in our schools today? Because unless at a very advanced stage, that's when you get to interact with data, like, what steps have you ever thought of what steps would the education system be taken through to just bring people up because as you've said we are producing more data than we ever had yeah education system what 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 is your take on that and and the fact that i know that you're also giving classes on data mm-hmm. mm, what would you say about the education okay. system so uh, a while back i was really thinking about going to uh, we, we do campus tours. We have done a lot of campuses, but I was thinking about high schools and just going to different high schools, giving them free talks about data, giving them free talks about technological skills, giving them free talks about the impact of the technological revolution that has happened. Because the education system, the way it's set up right now, it's uh, set up in a way where people are taught how to answer exam questions. They're taught yeah. how to answer exam questions, get good grades, but they're not really taught how to solve real-world business problems. And this is because the education system that we have was set up during the Industrial Revolution. So during the Industrial Revolution, people like engineers and uh, doctors were very, very important. And all these were based on the education that they had. But fast forward to when the internet broke into into the world, the, mm. the World Wide Web. And with the World Wide Web, the the technological revolution really changed the type of solutions people were offered because with the technological revolution most of these very generic jobs became a little bit absolute because more people were studying more people uh, most uh, children are going to school and this, this really affected the job market in itself and with the emergence of the internet there were Funny thing is that the, our education system remained the same. It remained mm-hmm. the same. It has been there since I think uh, when the education minister was Kamado, and uh, this mm-hmm. in the in the nineties. I'm heard of Kamado. Okay, okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah. So, but but Kamado died like like in the late uh, 2010s, I think the late 2000s. To about uh, so, I think I know him. I I think I know him. Okay. I, his face can I I cannot miss the his face. Okay. <laughs> yeah, back then is when the the 844 system that we are using right now was implemented, and I think the education system should really change. Not necessarily changing every single bit of it, but adding things like innovation into the innovation into the education system adding things like technological skills because we are really failing when it comes to anything that is technological and innovative yet the world that's where the world is right now the children should really learn that it's not about gaining skills or it's not about gaining knowledge and then this knowledge propels you to become an A student. And then being an A student, you go to high school and get more knowledge. And then once you get this enough knowledge, you go to campus, pump yourself with enough knowledge, with more and more knowledge, then go to the outside world and use this knowledge to get work and get money. If they should really learn that it's about problem solving. And problem solving in this technological age comes with technological skills. And these technological skills should really be implemented into the education system. For example, uh, when I went back to school to try and finish up my degree, right, stayed a, a, quite a long mm-hmm. time before I went back. 
So I stayed about three, three years, three, four years before I went back. And when I went back to school, I had this very open-minded professor who was the head of the department. And the professor, uh, sorry, the doctor, he asked me what I was doing, what were you doing uh, when you're not in school? Because they try and empathize with the students once you go back mm. because you find some units that you are doing, they're not being done. So there's mm. something that has to happen. Either you get new uh, exams for personal exams or they change these units to the ones that they are there. Mm. And while we were talking, I told her that I was uh, doing XYZ, providing solutions for businesses using data. And mm -hmm. she was fascinated with it. And uh, once we started talking about things like uh, machine learning or uh, data analytics, she was very surprised because she was having a very big problem understanding data science in itself. Yet all these algorithms, mathematical algorithms, are things that she has learned and she has become a doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when she, she actually told me that there is a proposal she was writing for the school to make sure that they change the education system, make sure in the next two, three years, they have introduced uh, courses that really align with things like data science, uh, data analytics. So to help students understand that solving problems is what will get you out of, or, or is what will increase your valuability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, the education system, I really think should change all this to change from being knowledge driven to being solution driven if you become solution driven people will understand the solutions they should be providing and by understanding the solutions they should be providing it helps them understand the skills that they should learn yeah actually i'll tell you that when they now they they there's the cbc they call it uh yeah cbc i can't remember the name of the examinations but some schools, and now this is where the divide comes in. When you go to schools in Shags, you'll not find them doing things like coding. But if you are in schools that parents can afford, now you're getting kids learning coding, learning a few things here and there. What I think they also need to improve on is um, solving, solving problems. But also the education yeah. system as a whole in the country, uh, education is a uh, right yeah. I shouldn't be accessing good education because I have money. It should be across board. And I hope that is something that is going to be looked into. All right. So, Ngari, I want us to talk about organization, the organizations that um, are yet to, to find out that making decisions through data is a big deal. What 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 mm. would you tell them? Okay. Um. I'll, I'll first of all, before I even put my view on that, I'll talk mm -hmm. about data in itself. Okay. Like data in itself as a field. One of yeah. the main, one of the main things or one of the main components of data mm. is business domain, business domain knowledge. Mm -hmm. or, what does this mean? It means that business is a very important thing in data. So if you're in the medical business or in the healthcare or in the restaurant business or in the sports business, it means that having knowledge in the business that you have is important before even getting the data. So because I can maybe feed you information on uh, a sport like volleyball and I give you so much data on volleyball, but if you don't understand volleyball as, as a sport, what is important in volleyball? Mm -hmm. Is the serving more important than the scoring the points? What mm -hmm. is the most important thing about, uh, is it the positioning? Is it mm -hmm. the, which is the most important player, etc. So businesses themselves should understand that with the knowledge that they have, if you are in a certain business, you have been there for the past 15 years, already you have captured a small element of using data to solve your problems. If you're in the restaurant sector and you've been a business owner or a restaurant owner for the past 15 years, you already have a very important element in that you have domain knowledge. Using this domain knowledge, you really understand what are the problems that your business has. As long as you have the specific knowledge in the business domain you're in, you already have captured a very good component of data because you understand the problems that you have, the type of solutions that you're, you're supposed to be giving for this specific business, 
And now aligning this uh, data strategy with the business goals is now where you should start. What data do we have? Maybe if it's a, let's just talk about a restaurant a little bit. If it's a restaurant, what data do we have? We have data from our POS system, our point of sale system. How can we leverage this data to try and solve any single problem that we have? Before now proceeding to going and understanding what new data should we collect to help us solve whichever problem that we have. So starting by starting, uh, starting off by aligning the data strategies to the business goals that you have is very, very important. And now once you get data, you need, of course, to clean it, organize it, fully understand how to do this. And once you have done that, you embrace just a culture of data literacy in your company, uh, not just having a data team, but basically working, making sure that the accountants understand the data, making sure that the different people like the chefs understand the data. If they see a maybe a drop in sales of a certain product, they can come and ask, why is it dropping? Is it the marination we have changed? Have we changed the way we make this specific meal, et cetera, et cetera. And just having embracing this data literacy within the organization is very, very important. And now you can uh, think about maybe the customers now, how can we collect data from our customers so that we can uh, give them better service, having a better customer experience. And once you do that, now you can proceed further and further into the data space. But first of all, you should really understand the basic information about your domain, then understand what type of data, aligning this uh, data with the business goals. And from there, you can proceed uh, very easily. But first of all, you have to understand or align your, your data strategies with the business goals that you have. You must understand your business. That's the message. Completely understand your business. Understanding your business uh, uh, highlights the problems that you have and mm. uh, the solutions that you can be, can be provided. And now looking at data that you have, how can this data be used to uh, solve this problem? How can this data be used to provide a solution? And understanding that this data can be used to provide solution one and two, but three, four, and five require new data. Now you can talk about three, four, and five and get new data, maybe from the customers, from the POS system, uh, redesign the POS system to collect this data that can answer all these other questions. Because it's not about solving a problem that will make you so much money in instantly, but solving a problem that can save a company about 15,000 shillings every single week or every single month, that is more money in the pocket of the owners of the business. And nobody, uh, I don't think anybody can complain about having an extra 15, 10,000 shillings in their pocket every single month. Of course, yeah. Now, let you know, I work with very, my everyday life is with very young people. And every yeah. day, every year, I see them coming in and coming out. Sometimes these people look lost. And I always tell them, have you checked out the online courses? Now, I want you to tell me today, I have made a decision that I want to start my data mastery course. Where do I start? What tools are there? What? Where do I go? What do I do? Okay. The understanding that the data space or the data field is not a side hustle is very, very important, I think. Mm. Once you understand that you're not doing it as a side hustle, you're doing it as a main thing, will help you understand what you need to achieve mm -hmm. before even penetrating the the space itself, the technological space in the data part. Uh, a good example is the footballers. They don't, uh, the very, very good football players or very, very good basketball players, they don't play basketball as a side hustle as they do something else. They yeah. concentrate in their nutrition, their training, their shooting mm -hmm. form, their, their limitations, trying to make them uh, bet, uh, just trying to eradicate their limitations and make their whatever they're good at make better in whatever they're good at. And I think that is very important for somebody to know. I get yeah. a lot of DMs, you know, and uh, somebody asks, well, how can I learn data analytics as fast as possible so that I can make as much money as possible, as mm. soon as possible. And uh, once I get that text, I, I just realize this person will not make it too far in this space because mm. it's an ever-changing space. It uh, keeps on changing every single time. You really have to put yourself in the space. Uh, go to these communities, uh, different communities, understand what is changing, uh, what is being replaced by the artificial intelligence, or how can I leverage this? 
first of all, that is very, very important. Understanding that this is not a side hustle. It's something that you really have to put your time in. Mm. And it will not happen instantaneously. And it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. You really have to learn and learn and learn. Make sure that you fully, fully understand all these things. And also, understanding of the free online courses that you get or the paid courses that you get, uh, within three months, you're done. Th- that is not enough to get you to a point where you fully are a competent data guy or a competent data analyst, data scientist, mm-hmm. data engineer, etc. You have to create so many projects, uh, project-based learning. I also talk, always talk about project-based learning, which is very, very important. You mm-hmm. learn by doing projects and uh, working on different projects, understanding where errors come in, uh, why a certain model you have created or a certain analytics that you have done is not working correctly because of a certain problem and doing more projects and more projects is when you realize uh, your mistakes and learn way, way better. Maybe before when you go 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 on, when you say Mm -hmm. project learning, you mean mm-hmm. being, you know, you mean uh, going through different projects to be able to master your skill. Is that what you mean? Okay, okay. Uh, let me explain. Yeah, w- w- whatever you said, but let me put a little bit weight on it. Okay. Uh, let's say you're learning. Uh, you're learning Excel. Mm. Excel is very, very powerful. I used Excel for the past about four years only. Excel for mm. the first four years of my career. And learning Excel is very, very important. So let's say you're learning Excel. Mm-hmm. Project-based learning means that you just don't go and uh, see this, uh, you told this this toolbar, this is called a toolbar, this is called a, a status bar, this is a formula, this is a formula of calculating sum, this is a formula mm-hmm. of uh, getting averages, et cetera, et cetera. That is not project-based learning. Project-based learning is what? You get data from uh, a sector, a car retail okay. sector. Mm. Then you, once you get this data now, you can look at this data and try and once you have data and have a project in mind, it is very, very easy now to start learning from that. You've learned all the basics and now you get this car dealership data and try and see which cars are most sold, which time of the month they are most sold, uh, which cars have the maximum profit, profit percentage. And uh, just trying to use this data that you have to do a project that can answer or create a data-driven decision. And then once you do that, you uh, you create your graphs, land charting, et cetera, et cetera, pivot tables. And mm. using this project that you are working on, you will really learn these skills the way they should be used in the field rather than learning from uh, just using different formulas uh, or learning from reading you learn by doing and that's the most important thing about project-based learning okay so if you're thinking about pursuing the the data career you should really know if you're doing data engineering data science or data analytics and how they all come together data engineers are responsible for the data how the data comes into play where it comes from if they're getting data from scraping data from the internet getting data from apis uh, or getting data from data collection surveys or getting mm-hmm. data from simulations, how they all take all this data, ID them and relate all of them together so that once this data has, uh, the data engineer has done their job, we have uh, clean pre-processed data that can be used by the data analysts, by data engineers, uh, sorry, by data analysts or data scientists. And uh, all this usually overlap a lot because if you're in a small organization and uh, the data is not so much, you find yourself as a data analyst, you're doing all these uh, specific roles for data engineers where you get the data processes, et cetera. But just for understanding explanation purposes, let's say it's a very big organization where the data is gotten from very different sources. That's what the data engineer does. Data analyst just checks on trends, trying to make data-driven decision using these trends and uh, whatever they see from the data, using prehistorical data to see what you can, what trends are from the data. And then the data scientist comes into play where they are trying to create predictive analysis, looking at historical data to try and predict the future. So you have to know which part of the data space you want to enter. You have to really put your mind into it, realize that you are a person who likes coding more than data. So you concentrate on data engineering. You understand you're a person who is concentrated more on 
providing these solutions, but not very good at math, you look at data analysis. And then, uh, or if you're not very good at coding and math, you do data analysis. But if you are interested in coding and trying to make predictions from the data that you have, you concentrate on data science, but you really have to understand who you are in yourself so that you can see which one you're going to pursue. And as I've said, remember, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is something that you have to learn if you want to jump into data engineering, if you want to jump into data analytics, data science. You have to put, give yourself about six months. I usually tell people six months of about three hours of learning every day, and you become very good because entry-level, for an entry-level person, many people are doing these short courses and they understand basic concepts of how to create BI dashboards and uh, do simple machine learning model creation. But these are a lot of people. But if you put your mind into it and have about five, six, seven, eight projects in everything that you're learning from maybe Excel, you do five projects, SQL, you do five projects. If you're learning Python, do five projects. Uh, the, the visualization softwares like BI, Power BI or Tableau, you do six projects. When you enter into machine learning, do a couple of projects. Deep learning, do a couple of projects. Understand concepts of maybe ML ops, which is the operations of CICD, the continuous integration, continuous deployment of these machine learning algorithms you create. Understand all these while doing projects. And this might take a lot of time, but once you are done, you will be able to be heads and shoulders above your peers, and it will be a little bit easier for you with all this to maybe get employment, work on freelancing, etc. I've always struggled uh, to find out the difference that has fans, engineering, etc. You know, one time when, when this data thing started, I remember one time I saw something advertised somewhere and I, I, I mean, I said, let me go in here. Mm. Whatever we're talking about data, I don't know if now they got a good person, but I think I will refer you there. That's why we're going to talk okay. off speaker because, man, okay. what I saw was something else. Okay. Um, no, maybe Gary, you can tell us as we are almost winding up, but what are some mm -hmm. of the challenges and ethical considerations in this field? What do, what, what, what major challenges do you face? Let me ask a question so that I can know what I am answering. Are you asking challenges in my data science or my data life, or you're asking challenges with the emergence of a lot of data? What challenges do you foresee? in ensuring the ethical uh, use and protection of these valuable resources. Mm. So as our data increases, the potential of this data being used in a bad way is very high also because there are cyber criminals that are stealing people's identities. There are cyber criminals that are using these hacking into systems and uh, using their data to manipulate manipulating data in, the, in a wrong way. Once it finds its ways into the wrong hands, it's very, very bad. Uh, I'll give an example. The Safaricom police uh, scam that happened. I think you mm. watched that video on my TikTok, where yeah. there was about about how many, how much is it? Five hundred million, can half a billion, can shilling. Mm. And this is because there was a breach in the the bureau for the identification, and there was also a breach in Safaricom in creating these uh, new lines. And this is all inside the information security. Uh, the companies should be extremely transparent in just regards with what data they collect from people and how it is going to be leveraged. And uh, making sure that you have very competent cybersecurity guys, information security analysts that help you understand what this data is uh, being used for, what are the loopholes, what are the, all these ethical hackers can help see if you can enter into your system. And very, very, it's very, very helpful to be cautious of what is about to come because the implications that we have, the negative implications that we have with a lot of data means the more the data, the more the advent or the specializations of these cyber criminals will mm. be. So people should be really aware of how they, they, where they give their data, opening links, just opening a link anywhere. Mm -hmm. And once the link is open, all this is code, all this is code. So if this link enables them to take all the information that is in your computer, it's very, very easy. And uh, just be very, very cautious with the, the, the data that you have. 
make sure that there is uh, also strict access and control and accountability procedures in place in different organizations. The, I think the most ethical approach involves allowing individuals to have full control of the data that, that they have, choosing mm. what they share, with whom, and for what purpose, just establishing an awareness of um, just what the data represents and uh, making sure that people understand and uh, foster this ethical data culture. Cyber mm, security, yeah, looks like. As we wind up, Maria, what do future trends look like in this field? I think everything will be integrated with AI. Mm. I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, imagine rather than going to your M-Pesa and uh, filtering things out to know how much money you spent with someone, you mm. can just uh, enter into it and they have integrated this simple uh, LLM, uh, large language model, like uh, mm. chat GPT, where you can just ask it uh, how much money have I spent on, on Emma, phone number mm. XYZ, uh, in the past three months, then it gives you a complete report with graphs, et cetera, et cetera. Because mm. uh, with large language models and uh, emergence of this, all these AI tools, uh, AI products and AI services will increase immensely. And we are seeing it right now. You can see all these different uh, word generation or text generation AI tools, image generation AI tools. Uh, mm. I don't know if you have interacted with something like Mid Journey. Yeah, I love it. Very, yeah, yeah, very incredible images. All this is mm-hmm. power AI powered, and mm-hmm. the fact that we are producing more data and more data and more data, more data, the fuel for, for this AI revolution. Because I think now we have entered the AI revolution. The fuel for AI revolution is data, and meaning if you're producing more and more data, the more the solutions uh, or the more the AI will become powerful. And mm. uh, we have seen there's so much money that has been put into the AI space by venture capitalists, by different CEOs. They are working on making sure that their companies are providing AI solutions, AI-powered solutions, AI-powered products, etc. And I think we are heading into a very AI-powered future. I think the people should also concentrate on learning how to integrate these AI tools into everyday businesses, or just understanding how they can provide solutions using AI. That is very, very important. I think that is uh, something that uh, will be very, very big in the future. The future that uh, we'll be having, and the AI is uh, is taking over. And I think people should really look at the future being AI-driven. And if you know it's AI-driven, you know you are supposed to be AI literate. And I think AI literacy is very, very important for the future. Yeah, I am a very big fan of AI. I love experimenting things. Now, your final words to anybody, especially the youngins, and I say especially the youngins because you'll get people with computers, internet, but all they are thinking about are things that you don't even want to think about. Your words to them, final words to them. Learn a skill, man. Take your time to learn a skill. Take your time to create, to make mistakes right now in learning skills. Mm. I talked about making, we are living off the decisions of the productive failures that you made years back. And with that, people should really understand the fact that whatever you are learning right now is what will feed you in the future. Our skills are not learned like immediately. Anything that you see that is standing from a chair to a bed to anything, anything you see, your gas cylinder, your sink, your cup, all these have been made by using so much skill. If you try and look at very simple things like pillars, like uh, potato pillars, the amount of skill that has been put to creating that very simple object. The skills that have not been made immediately. You have Mm. to really hone the skills. And you don't hone the skills without learning them. So you first of all concentrate on learning the skill. And remember, uh, most of these young people will not make it in the skill space, if you're very, very honest. But you who is listening to this maybe podcast, make sure that you're not among the people that will not make it in the skill space. We are basically in the skill era, where the portfolio is more important than the CV. 
where what you have done is more important than what you have learned. Using this information, just try and be head and shoulders above your peers. And this will be very, very helpful for you when it comes to uh, creating value for yourself. We don't know what the future holds, but all we know is that the future is for the people who take risks and also have skills that are in line with what the future wants. Wow, thank you very much, Ngari. Where can people find you? You can find me on TikTok. I am calling Ngangangaria the data guy. You can also find me on Instagram, same name, Ngangangaria the data guy. And you can also find me on YouTube. I do longer form content on YouTube where I usually do coding, where I create different applications, web applications using Django, where I use machine learning and feel the whole process of what I'm doing. In YouTube, I'm called Learn with Ngangangaria. Learn with Ngangangaria. A subscriber will be very, very, very much appreciated. At Corporate Chronicles, we support our own. So we sub. Now, you know, you're part of our, of our community. Cindy, Nganga, see, you're now part of yeah, our community. Yeah, yeah. Now we, we, we have, it has to happen. <laughs> it has to happen. All right. Thank you very much, Nganga. Thank you for coming to sit with us and demystifying what data is it's a big deal and i can tell you for sure being in an industry that has um, a lot of data it is a big deal and um, he said learn a skill man learn a skill learn a skill hone your skill make mistakes we are in a skills era Garu also told us that data has surpassed oil in its value. He heard that from someone. It has become the world's most valuable assets. And unlike oil, data does not run out. He told us to invest in time for the businesses and organizations. Understand your business domain so that you can know what you need fixed. Education system. We need to overhaul our education system. Big data is set to reach 273.4 billion USD by 2026. The question that I want to put out to you is, will you be part of this? Thank you very much for listening to us. You can get us on Spotify, on Apple Pods, on Google Pods, on CastBox, on any platform you get your podcasts and on our social media pages. Thank you very much. This is Emma. Corporate Chronicles between sweets and cares. Bye.